Hey, darling. Welcome to the She's a Creative podcast. Are you a female creative who wants to own your purpose and dominate your creative business? Then this is the podcast for you. I'm Kay, your host and guide to help you on your way to creative freedom and success. Hey, boo. Hey. So today we are chatting with Letitia D'Souz. She is a business coach that has helped over a thousand people from high level execs to entrepreneurs. And she has even helped two women in 2018 hit the $1 million mark in their business. She is passionate about financial consulting and helping entrepreneurs grow profitable businesses. So today we're going to chat about the mindset shift from employee to entrepreneurship and some strategies to help you become a successful business owner. How are you doing today, Letitia? I'm really, really good. Thank you. How about you? I'm doing great. A little tired, but I'm doing good. <laughs> so let's hop into this. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your, your story, your background. Um, that's a loaded question. Let's see a little <laughs> bit about myself. I always start with the fact that I'm a mom because I think that's the most that's the most important gift that I've ever been given and the most the greatest contribution I've ever made to the world. Yes. I am a single mom of a 23-year-old. I have a fantastic daughter who resides in Tampa, Florida. She's off my payroll, has been since 17. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let's see. I'm a business coach. I've coached, uh, man, a ton of business owners, but I've coached total, in total well over 1,000 people over the last 10 years. And... Let's see, if, if I just backtrack a little bit, I would say that even since I was a younger girl, I just always, I was always the kid who asked why or why not. If somebody said something was impossible, I was the person who was going to push the envelope or figure out a way that it was possible. And I believe that sometimes how we are as children is really the blueprint for how we're supposed to show up in the world. And then in my family, though, it wasn't very well received. It was always like, who do you think you are? And so as a coping mechanism, I learned to play small, like so many other people. And um, I, I learned to kind of approach the world with a sense of shame. I wasn't necessarily trying to fit in, but I wasn't trying to blend out. And it was, I, I think that... Um, that kind of pioneered the path for me to help so many other people as I began to rediscover who I was and rediscover my voice and rediscover my sense of power. That took me through a lot of entrepreneurial journeys, a lot of failure, abusive relationships. It's just been a whirlwind of a journey, um, just to give you a little bit of history. But all of that, I believe, laid a foundation for me to empower so many people to get from point A to point B. I love that. I, I think it's so awesome, like how you started it off first and foremost with your family, like with you, with you being a mom. Um, because I know so many people that listen to this, they are moms as well, and they're trying to start businesses and stuff. And so I know, can you tell us like where, what was your, so you're full-time in your business, right? Correct. Okay. So what were you doing before you started becoming, or before you became a business coach? So actually, so this is not my first tenant business full time, just to let you know. I used to sell real estate in Chicago for nine years. And when I became a broker, finally, you know, it was just like, wow, I own my own thing. I can do it the way that I want to do it. I got there and I was like, this, I don't love this. This isn't what I want to do. I want to be a coach. And then the real estate market crashed and so did my business, my income, my life as I knew it with it. So I took a six month coaching stint with a company to, until um, 
I was I said I was going to do it until the until the market bounced back. Well, guess what? That took me into the world of coaching for the next nine years, where I ended up coaching executives who were in transition. So that coaching wasn't my own business. It was the bounce back from a business failure, if that makes sense. Um, I got certified to coach in that organization, also certified as a business coach. But I had to have an opportunity to sit still, to stabilize, to do a lot of mindset work, and to just really recoup that level of confidence that says, you can do this. So that's what I was doing before I started my own business again. I think that's so awesome that like something that could, that when you're going through it looks like a setback actually set you up for something that was even bigger and bigger and even greater than what you were doing. Like it threw you into the world of coaching and now you've helped people have some serious breakthroughs. I remember we were talking before that you have helped, you know, two women hit the $1 million mark in their businesses and, you know, just all the other people that you've coached, whether they were um, high level execs or entrepreneurs, you know, like you have made an impact on people's lives from an experience that, you know, for a lot of people, it kind of broke their spirit when the, when the market crashed. So, um, so that's really interesting. So I want to dig a little bit more into it because I know you were just talking about mindset. Um, what do you think people need to do before they leave their nine to five for full-time entrepreneurship? Like maybe like the top two or three things you think people need to do. I would definitely say the top two or three things, the top, the top thing that people need to make a commitment to just period is a lot of mindset work because the, our mindset is what is either going to help us or hinder us, and it's our belief system. So the, the, the biggest hiccup that people have is what they think is not possible. And so even though you may want to launch out and start your own business because you're passionate about whatever it is that you do, you're going to run smack dab into your true belief system. So a lot of mindset work, you know, um, I, I, I can't stress mindset work enough like I live for mindset I read I'm listening to podcasts I mean I that that's probably the best way I can say okay is personal growth should precede professional and financial growth if you really want it to be sustainable so that personal growth part really at the mindset level is going to be a huge component to prepare you <laughs> Hey boo, are you struggling to create engaging captions that actually convert your followers into warm leads? Are you having a hard time creating an effective strategy to get people to visit your website and stay and make purchases? Or are you having a hard time figuring out what to post and how to attract your ideal client? If you said yes to any of those things, then you need to sign up for my free challenge, the how to create content that converts lurkers into customers challenge. This challenge is going to start on May 27th, 2019. And basically for five days, if you can give me 20 minutes each day, I'm going to help you create content that's going to help you get consistent inquiries and customers month after month. So it's time for us to stop struggling, trying to figure out what we need to be posting and what content we need to create. And let's create that content that is going to convert our lurkers into paying customers. It's time for us to start making money on social media, sis. So if you want to join this free challenge, it's a five-day challenge. Click the link below in the show notes and you can get right into it. Remember, the challenge starts May 27th, and it's going to be five days. So I need y'all to show up and show out. Let's create some content, sis. Um, I would say the second thing is to be okay with failing 
Or when I say failing, I simply mean not hitting what you consider to be the mark. Because I always start off with a plan, and I can tell you nothing ever goes according to my plan. But when I learn not to internalize failing at something as me being a failure, I could just take the lesson learned and my bounce back game got really, really strong. Mm. Uh, let's see. I would say the last part of that is really having a sense of accountability. If you don't have it within yourself, then hire a coach or somebody that will hold you accountable to your goals. Because when you're, when you're an employee, you know, you're paid to do things by a certain time and there's a paycheck that's attached to it. When you are an entrepreneur, there's also a paycheck that's attached to it, except for you missing the person who is overseeing your work and holding you accountable. And so if you don't have that structure in place, it's very easy to not know what to do and kind of wait for somebody to give you that direction and nobody's there. Oh my goodness. Yes. That last portion um, with the accountability and not having somebody over you. I, I know for me personally, that was the hardest shift for me to make is from realizing that, oh my gosh, like nobody's going to tell me that, you know, X, Y, and Z needs to be done. I just have to wake up and figure out what needs to be done. And um, I think that's so important. And, and I, I'm glad that you brought that piece up because I think a lot of times um, when we're just getting started, we never think about having that accountability system, whether it is um, having a coach or, you know, just having a, a community that you can kind of rely on. And I know for me, having a coach has been game changing for my business and just holding me accountable and making sure that I'm actually doing things that are moving the needle forward in, in my business. Um, so I'm really glad that you touched on that. But I also wanted to go back to your piece about mindset, because I know that's what you do a lot of for your um for your coaching clients. So what, what do you think are some things that people can do to work on their mindset? So I know, um, you know, we talk a lot about like reading books or like listening to podcasts, but you know, maybe are there any specific books that you would recommend or, um, you know, just maybe any specific habits we should do, you know, to work on our mindset? Sure. So one of my favorite books is You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. I actually teach a lot out of that book. And so it's, there's nothing new under the sun. So they're not new principles. It's just a modern twist on, you know, like thinking grow rich and other principles. But um, yeah, that is definitely one of my favorite. Thinking grow rich is also one of my absolute favorites. So I would say those two books are at the top of my list. Um, one of the other things that is deeply tied to mindset is really shifting from a lack mentality to one of abundance. Because what I find with a lot of entrepreneurs is they don't invest in themselves. I don't care if we're talking about $2. I don't care if we're talking about $200. I don't care if we're talking about $2,000. If you don't do it with the two, you typically won't do it with the $2,000. So you want to start making sure that from a mindset standpoint, you drill ingrain in yourself that there is always more. You're not going to run out. Because if you come from a place of scarcity, you're holding on really, really tight. But because now you're owning your own business, you're going to suffer. So I am my biggest investor. I invest in my mindset. I invest in coaching. I invest in professional development. I invest in all of those things now, right? Not when I get to where I'm going. I invest in those things so that I can get to where I'm going. And guess what? It always works out. I always find a way. Yes. Yes. You said I am my biggest investor. Absolutely. That is so crucial. Yes. 
Yeah, exactly. So, okay, I'll use an example. Even with, um, like I had a, an event yesterday and I had these four new dresses. I have events through the end of the month. So those dresses are accounted for. So yesterday I said, uh, no, I'm not gonna wear this dress because I earmarked it for something else. And so I called myself and I said, just go buy another dress. It's like China. You don't have to wait until a special occasion. You go rock this dress today and go get another one for whatever else is coming up. I don't have to hoard and hold on, right? So I'm constantly checking myself even with the smallest things. I'm not going to run out. There's always more. But if you grew up in a place where you know, maybe there wasn't a lot of resources. Like I grew up, my mom was a hoarder because she grew up poor. So it's almost like you have to learn to do the polar opposite of what you've been um, conditioned to do, if that makes sense. Yes, that totally makes sense. And and I, I find myself, um, you know, and I'm sure other people listening probably find themselves in the same kind of situation where, you know, like you said, our past kind of creeps in on us and it, and it, holds us, you know, and, and causes us to have like a lack mentality or a lack mindset. And that's something that I'm actively working on is, you know, not feeling like, oh, you know, I have to hold on to these things. I love your dress example, because like, that's a good point. You know, I don't have to hold on to, you know, saving something for another time because there is an abundance. Like there are. I, dress yesterday. Out there. I, surely did. I rocked it and I'm going to get more dresses today. I'm yes. <laughs> my daughter. She was like, she sent me some money and she was like, mom, you know what? Here's for Mother's Day. Just go get you some more dresses, right? Now I'm just saying, <laughs> I had the money to go get more dresses, but it's the principle behind it. And so even the other part that's deeply embedded in the mindset is the part about healing. Here's what happens when you're an entrepreneur. You are so used to going hard for everybody else. And now that you have to go hard for yourself, if you have any issues with yourself, with worth, you know, with shame, you're going to come smack dab, like face to face with those issues where you might not have it in you to go as hard for you as you've gone for somebody else. And so that stops a lot of people in the gate as well. Mm. Wow. Wow. That, that's definitely interesting. I mean, and, and I mean, it's interesting because I can think about in my journey, like, coming through and like coming face to face with some of my own issues with myself and so yeah like and and I think it just goes back to what you said at the beginning of you know having that accountability because there's nobody there when you're an entrepreneur to tell you what to do you know or to help you walk through whatever issue you're having like you come face to face with it and you either need to figure out how you're going to work through it um but then also you should probably invest in some sort of coaching or some sort of of help to navigate this new space. Um, and so while we're talking about this, what would you say are some tips that you noticed, um, especially with your clients that help them transition from, you know, that, that nine to five kind of lifestyle to, you know, having a full-time income in their own business. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of mindset work came into that, but like, what do you think also has helped them, you know, really make that transition a lot smoother from, you know, the nine to five life to entrepreneurship? Okay, so I would definitely, this is where the financial piece comes in. And this is definitely knowing numbers. You don't have to be a full on business expert to know numbers, to know in your business, how much money you're looking to make in a week or in a month or in a year. And what is the pathway to get there? You know, versus just hanging a shingle and saying, hey, I'm hoping that I'm going to get some clients. We need to know where it is that we're actually going. 
and then let's create a roadmap. Like I said, the plans don't necessarily always, they're not always concrete and they don't, don't always work that way, but we need to start with some semblance of a plan. Um, the second part of that is, it's what I hashtag GSD, and for the, the sake of me not knowing who I'm speaking to, I'll say getting stuff done. But <laughs> the, when I hashtag GSD, I always hashtag my clients GSD, because a plan is only as good as its execution. Mm. So when people will not execute, I pull back simply because I know that this plan is simply just a fantasy. It's a dream, but the real proof of what you, what you desire is what you pursue. So we have to put action to the plan and we have to do it very, very quickly to get to where we want to go. Um, the other part of that, and this is something that I coach people on is condensing time frames. We give ourselves, I think, it's not that you're just like in this marathon, but sometimes I think we give ourselves way too long to get things done. So if it's something that you could get done in two weeks, why stretch it out to two months? If it's something, you know what I mean? So I'm always saying, how can we condense this time frame so that we get a lot done more sooner so that we believe bigger, faster? And so I'm always challenging people to condense those time frames so we get to our goal sooner rather than later. Okay, these three tips were so good. I'm gonna recap them really quick. So the first one you said was to know the numbers, know your numbers, how much you're wanting to make. Um, and from there, you'll create a plan to like kind of basically reverse engineer to get to whatever that, that monetary goal is. But I really love, because I mean, we talk, everybody, well, not everybody, but most people understand that they need to have a, a plan. They need to know their numbers. Um, but like you said, it's the action portion. Like, are you actually getting stuff done? That's going to be the key point because you can make a, a plan all day long. It's just a piece of paper or, you know, an idea if you don't actually execute it. Um, but something that I don't hear a lot of people talking about, which is something that I do a lot, is the whole condensing time frames. Like, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it is true. People will say, like, um, like I know someone now who has told me that they're going to launch something at the end of the year. Um, and it's like, a, it's a blog or a website or something. And I'm just like, why do you have to drag it out six months? You know, something that can take, you know, a month to put together, you know? And so, um, you know, I think that, I mean, do you find that people do that because of like maybe fear or like a level of comfort? Like, why do you feel like people are dragging out their timeframes and like, how can we overcome that? So I think that a lot of people just don't have the confidence to start their businesses and to really take the action. And so the lack of confidence just, just, uh, what's the word I want to say? It manifests itself as a myriad of excuses. But I go after those excuses and tell them, you don't need the confidence, you need the courage. Because most people can't tell the difference in the two. If you have the courage to do it, most people don't know that you lack the confidence. So let's just do it anyway. Mm. But yeah, people, I'm sorry, confidence typically comes from mastery. Most everybody was a beginner at something. So it's like, let's just do it, do it repetitiously, and eventually you'll get the confidence. But if we wait until we have all of the confidence that we need to do something, or, you know, we're perfectionists, done beats perfect. So I come after all of those excuses so that we can just get to it. And if you're afraid, let's just hold a space for being afraid while we're taking action. You know, cry after you do it. So we have to have those people that won't get stuck in our stories with us, but that see us on the outside of the story and will pull us along. Yes, yes, I love that. Do you ever find that people condense their time frame too much? Like maybe they 
rush something and, you know, like maybe, or they underestimate how much time something takes. Um, how can we kind of navigate that space? Sure. I think, I think that sometimes people can do things very, very quickly. But what I will say is I found in 10 years of coaching that successful people make decisions quickly. Say if you make a quick decision and it's a mistake, you've got a quick lesson as well, right? Versus the person who has drawn something out for three years. How long does it take you to really need to learn what you need to learn? Do you realize how many mistakes I've made over the last year? Like a ton, right? So I'm that much wiser in terms of moving forward and, and really navigating my course because I made quick decisions, not reckless decisions, but it's the best decision that I could have made with the information that I had in front of me. And that decision had to be good enough until I learned something different. A lot of us are afraid of that journey because of the fear of failure. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So um, I want to talk about uh, these people that I know you helped two women hit the $1 million mark. So I want to talk about that. What did you find, you know, maybe that they both had in common or something, but what is like the number one thing that you noticed that helped them hit that $1 million mark? The number one thing was consistency. They were consistent. Um, our coaching was, I coached with them 90 minutes. So if, and just in a monthly, on a monthly basis, one 90 minute session, two 30 minute sessions, they never missed a coaching session unless it was an absolute emergency. They always showed up ready to work, just ready to receive feedback, just ready to go. If they needed to give me something or get something done, that was the second thing, they GSD. So they were not only consistent in how they showed up for me, they were consistent in how they showed up for themselves. Then they executed. And then I would say um, the last part of that is that they never let their foot off the gas until they broke through the goal. You know, sometimes we can have a little bit of success and we get comfortable and, and then we just, we just stop. They, they mash the gas, the, the gas all the way past the million dollar mark. I think that goes back to like the three, um, the three, the three tips you gave us, you know, and so it, it actually makes me feel really good to see that like all of this kind of ties in together. Um, because I think so often, um, you know, it's so easy, like when we were first starting out as an entrepreneur to, you know, think that like a, a million dollars isn't even something that's possible, or, you know, $100,000 may not even be possible. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that you have to show up. And I, like, it's so funny, because I knew you were going to say consistency. And I know that probably a lot of people are like rolling their eyes, like, oh, everyone says, but like, it's the truth. Like, <laughs> if you're not consistent, if you don't, you know, consistently show up for yourself. And I love how you said, like, mash the gas, like, don't let up until you break through, you know, and, and that's when things will shift and when things will change. So um, if I could, there's another part of that, that I, that I just, it just came to me that I forgot. And that was delegation. Mm. So I challenged them repeatedly to delegate down things to the lowest possible level. So if it's not going to allow you to, op op uh, to operate at your absolute best, then it shouldn't be on your plate. So if that meant, okay, we need a virtual assistant, if that meant we need, you know, a college intern, whatever it is that we need to do so that you can buy back time to be the absolute most productive is what it is that we need to do. So they were not sending their own correspondence and their email and doing their own social media posting because it wasn't the highest and best use of their time. Mm. 
So we mapped out their priorities and everything else needed to be handed off to somebody else. And so it ended up making them more profitable and buying them back more time. But it goes back to that piece about being willing to invest in yourself and invest in your business because this, this is like you, this is your baby. If you don't do it, we, we want everybody else to do it, but you've got to do this for yourself first. Yes, yes. So that that is so good. I think a lot of us are, you know, afraid. Even myself, I haven't even gotten to the point. I, I've I've outsourced a few things, but you know, um, prioritizing. You know, and that's something that I think I'm gonna take from this to work on is like figuring out what my priorities are and what's gonna lo- allow me to operate in my highest self. Um, because you know, it's something that we <laughs> we overlook. You know, because you know, maybe, and and I think it goes back to the whole lack mindset that we were talking about at the beginning of you know feeling like we have to hold on to everything or maybe we don't have enough money or whatever like but those are limiting beliefs that we put on ourselves so um you know that's th- just very more money and more time so for example th- this this is that you have to get over other people right so mm-hmm. i've had to betray a lot of people's beliefs and their thought processes that i grew up with to operate as my best self so for me uh, I don't typically go to the grocery store because I can have groceries delivered or I don't do my laundry, not because I can't, but because if it's a matter of me taking three hours to do something versus taking it to the cleaning lady, I'm going to choose to use my money to buy back my time so I can go make more money. Mm. And that, and that's simply what I mean. So we look at it as we think that we can do all things just because you can doesn't mean that you should. So if I put it in number standpoint, one of my clients was an attorney and her, she's $375 an hour. Well, her assistant is $17 an hour. And I said, before she had the assistant, I said, well, you are, you bill yourself out at $375 an hour, but you're doing $17 an hour work. Why don't you delegate this down so you're free to do more of the work that you that allows you to be the most profitable? And so when I put it in numbers, it's like, wow, you know what? Somebody else could really be doing this. And that expedited her on her path to greater profitability. Yes. I love that. That was, that was, I'm pretty sure people understood it from that point because I know it made so much sense to me. <laughs> delegate down don't be afraid to donate certain jobs to the economy it's not taken away from you it's adding from you so you know I have an assistant I have a ton of people that I'll say you know what I could do this but this is this is their expertise this is not the highest and best use of my time so it allows you to spend more time in your zone so I end up actually working less and not more Yes. And I mean, that's the whole point, especially as entrepreneurs, like, you know, if you wanted to work all that time, you might as well have just stayed in your day job. You know, I am not, I am not, I am not the, I am, you will never see me hashtag team, no sleep. I'm grinding. No, I rest. I rest well. I eat well. I'll take care of myself because I, you need to have your, yourself. You need to put situations in place so that you can be at your best. If I'm tired, if I'm sick, you know, I'm not going to show up as my best for my clients or for anything that I do. So that is really, really huge. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think that's so important and especially just going from the whole delegating down. Like I I know that even for me, that's something that I definitely need to start thinking about and working on because, you know, like you said, if we're not operating in our highest self, we're, we're basically spinning our wheels and it's no point in us spinning, you know, why, why, why take 20, you know, 20 hours to do something that will take somebody else, you know, two, you know, <laughs> where you could just, I mean, get your time back, like reclaim your time back. 
So that was good. So I know that a lot of the stuff that you did, you started out with the, um, with like the financial consulting aspect of it. And so I wanted you to drop like a money gym for us. So um, what have you found has been like a big setback for um, in particular new business owners or new entrepreneurs, especially when they're leaving their nine to five um, when it comes to their finances? Let's see. Um, a, did you say a setback when it comes to their finances? Yeah. Yeah. A big, a big setback or like maybe, you know, just an obstacle that they have to like break through. So I can tell you that in my experience, it's, it's, it's running your business like it's a passion project. And, and what I mean by that is we typically start businesses that we're, we're really passionate about. And that's why we want to do it in the first place, because it's what makes us come alive. And so sometimes we lose sight of the fact that that passion needs to lead to profit. Like um, I was meeting with someone the other, the, I was about to say the other day, that's the biology of the week. And she was telling me about her struggles and she had this business and she's been ready to launch it anyway. And I was so excited about the business because I could see how it could really be profitable in a short amount of time. And she said, oh, but it's not about the money. And I said, oh. I said, oh, okay. And, and I let her tell the story again about how she'd been struggling. And then she, I was excited about the idea. And then she said again, but it's not about the money. And so I, I always tell people, I'm no good to you if I don't give you the truth as I see it. It is about the money because you don't have any. And the reason why you don't have any is because you keep saying that it's not about the money. This is a passion project for you, but it's not profitable because you are volunteering. If you just wanted to volunteer, then do that. But don't, don't hang a shingle and say that you're in business when there is no exchange of money. And so asking for money and being getting and getting comfortable with getting paid for our services is a challenge. So we typically will either discount our services, start from the bottom, now we're here, we'll, it, but we typically never get here or there or whatever that is. And, it's, and that is mindset as well. So my coach told me, she said, Letitia, it's either gonna be free or premium. If there's free, you better know what the ROI is on your time, on your energy, and on your resources. And it needs to be something that's worth it for you or it's premium and there's nowhere in between. Do you know how much that helped me? Yes. So that, that money mindset is like you have a service and you need to be paid for what your service is worth. And you need to keep going until you find the people that will pay you for your service. Those are your people. And unfortunately, they might not be the people that you think because there are people who want what you have who will pay for it, and there are people who need what you have who won't. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of quick. I'm going on tangents sometimes, but that is really heartfelt because we do all of this work. Everything is built on our backs. The world is happy. And we, we can't, you know, we don't, we don't have monies. And so it's not designed for us to have these businesses and we don't have a flow of income. So I help people get comfortable with the money conversation as well. Wow. I, I'm almost at a loss for words because I mean that, I mean, and I, I think I even recall saying something like that too about, <laughs> about, but it's not about the money. Um, and so, you know, and I find myself saying that a lot. So, wow. Yeah, it's about the money. And that's the thing. It's like, so I met with somebody uh, three weeks ago that became a client. Maybe it was two. Sometimes I, my time frames are so condensed that I lose sight of them. But I sat down and spoke to him and I, and I spoke with him and I said, hey, here's what I know about your business. I can tell you this, this, this and that because of this. And I said, let's be clear. I want to help you. I want to help you break the million dollar mark. 
but let's be very, very clear. This is, this is, I want to make a lot of money as well. He started laughing. He said, I'm totally okay with that, right? I don't hide the fact that I want to make a lot of money. Money is not evil, right? In and of itself. And so sometimes our conditioning makes us uncomfortable. So I am here to say, I want to make a lot of money, but I understand that to do it, that I need to help a whole lot more people. And so I'm willing to do that. Mm. Wow. And I, I like that you're so upfront about it. And I think that we as, as entrepreneurs should definitely, and I, and I think that, um, I know for me, you know, and, I, and I'm not sure, do you, do you find that it's more women that have this problem with being upfront about money or do you feel yes. like men also have that? Yes. No, women, especially because we're, you know, um, I, I will venture to say even black women, we get so many things about, you know, we're an angry black woman if we're assertive or if we are aggressive you have to really lose sight of all of those things because we work hard you know we provide value and when you know that you are providing value and you are providing an awesome service don't be afraid to ask what is your preferred method of payment you're not picking my brain for free because picking my brain is picking my pocket if you will right so no <laughs> you know, have an ROI. If you want to do something for philanthropic purposes, just because you want to give, be clear about that, but don't position yourself as if you're giving when you know that you're struggling, right? Mm -hmm. You need to ask for your money and you need to be clear about that. And I don't care if you have to cry if you leave a meeting, people will respect you when they know that your position is strong about your value. Because the minute you whimper, and cater in on your prices, what you actually do psychologically in the minds of people is you diminish the value of your product or service. Mm. Wow. You're like blowing my mind over here. <laughs> and it's so funny because we, we've talked and, and it's just, you, you never cease to amaze me with the wisdom that you impart on us. And I, I think that it's so, I mean, it just goes back to what you said, like we're running our businesses as, as a passion or, you know, basically like a, a, a charity, you know, but we need, you need your money. Like you can't be out here just, you know, Oh, you know, I I'll just do this for you. Or, you know, and, and I, I know for me in particular, I have said, you know, like, Oh, it's not about the money. It's not about the money, you know, but then in the same breath, I know I have to pay my rent, you know, and it's just like, well, then you need to be firm about, charging for things or charging for the value of whatever it is that you're doing. So, wow. I think we can reframe how we say that. I, I, so I think that when we say it's not about the money, we don't necessarily mean to communicate that we don't want to get paid. We don't, we don't want people to think that we're all about the money, right? But people are going to think whatever it is that they think, period. Let me tell you something about the people that I work with. They pay for the things that they find valuable. Right. So there's no question. They pull out credit cards and they're like, OK, what's what? How are we paying for this? So when you know your value and when you stick to your value by default, you're, you're some people are going to fade out of your experience and other people will come into your experience. But that is a lot of inner work that has to be done for you to be OK with who you are. Right. Right. Mm. It's, it's hard. <laughs> the lower the, the lower your prices, the harder you're going to work. Mm. That's a good point, though, because um, and I, I've talked about this before. If your price point is lower, you need more volume. So you have to work harder, like you have to work twice as hard to and, and because you have to explain, like, why is it worth this amount? You know, 
right. You're in convincing conversations. I know for me, convincing conversations pull me out of my element. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't receive the value for yourself and whatever it is that I have to offer, you're not the person that's for me and I'm not for you. And we can part as friends. If I can refer you to somebody with a lower price point, I'm certainly willing to do that. But I'm clear on who is going to be a good fit for me and who's not going to be a good fit for me. And that's where that law of scarcity comes in. I'm not holding on to everything because I think that nothing else is coming. Right. Right. Because something's always coming. There's always another opportunity. I let a lot of people slip right through my fingers because I'm saying this, this is going to cost me more in stress than I would ever earn in money. Mm. Mm. All money ain't good money. <laughs> yes. Yeah, correct. And I, you know what I was, I know I'm all over the place and all off the tangent, but I'm going to tell you one of, one of my coaches, one of the lessons, I'm sure this will help somebody. What one of my coaches taught me, and it really shifted my life. So I'm going to share this. I don't know where it falls into there. And he was asking me just about all of the things in my life that, um, you know, were kind of like a thorn in my side and things that I wanted to change. And I just listed them out. And he was like, you know what? I can tell you how to change it. And it's going to be so simple that you might miss it. And I'm like, try me. And he said, stop tolerating it. Mm. I'm like, Earth, like what? It, it's got to be more. He said, no. The reason why these things are in your life is because your toleration point allows it. He said, the moment you decide to no longer tolerate it, you will take the necessary actions to move people, to move things, to move situations out of your life. And so as women especially, we absorb so much energy and emotions and you know the burdens of other people. We tolerate so much. And so if it's not the money you want, don't tolerate anything less than what you want. Just, you know what I mean? So you have to change your toleration point. So if your toleration point right now is, let's just say $3,000 a month, but your bills are $6,000 a month, your toleration point is struggling. Is, is you are okay with struggling. Struggling feels very normal for you. And so when I say mindset work, you don't let the gas off of that either because you're going to come into, you're going to discover things in yourself like, damn, like how did this even get here? But you need to fix it and heal from it to get over to the other side. But that toleration point, I raised the bar for myself before I required anything from anybody else. I started to require it from Letitia. I learned what it meant to show up for me And by default, so many other people started seeing value in me, started investing in me, started showing up for me. But it really started with me changing my toleration point and saying, where where am I off? Where am I misaligned with the life that I say that I want and the life that I'm really tolerating? Wow. You just keep coming coming at us with these gems. (laughs) That toleration point, I know that will help somebody. I don't know who y'all are, but I know that will help you. Yes. I mean, like that is kind of a, I mean, and it's so funny how the simplest, it's like the simplest solutions, like, but it can, it easily goes over your head because it's like, it can't be that easy. Like it can't be that easy for me to, you know, change. Exactly. Because mindset is supposed to be hard. We love, we find struggling attractive. So when something is easy, we question it. When something hard is hard, it feels normal. And so now I'm just like, you know what? Struggling is not normal. Making money is not hard. Making a lot of money is not hard. Struggling is hard. I think we've just been on the wrong side of hard. We've chosen a hard that just doesn't serve us. Right. 
Wow. Oof, I'm sure that that just changed a whole bunch of people's lives. So I really appreciate you dropping that little bit of wisdom on us right there. Um, so tell us, do you have anything that you're working on? Any like maybe events or um, projects or anything that you're working on? I do. So believe it or not, um, this whole trajectory for me is unfolding in a way that I, I didn't. So remember I said, I'll, I started off saying I always have a plan. Right. Uh, it's unfolding in a way that I hadn't planned. So I have a financial services business and that business is unfolding because, you know, a part of entrepreneurship is looking at the numbers and that business is unfolding and creating this platform for speaking and speaking about financial literacy to entrepreneurs and helping so many people from the financial aspect of their business. So that is kind of where the whole, the coaching is shifting into a lot of speaking and a lot of being the, uh, what's the word I want to say, the strategist financially behind organizations through my financial services business. I couldn't have put it together this way. I couldn't have packaged this way. I've just been kind of allowing it to unfold instead of saying, this is the way this needs to look. So that's what I'm working on. I have, I'm booked through July for speaking. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I have speaking booked through July. And it just keeps coming. I have a partnership coming up with, with people in Savannah, Georgia for financial literacy, for economic empowerment. But I'm really, really passionate about not just the mindset, but the money, right? I'm really passionate about the money part of things because I feel like if we can get the money and the finance piece right, then it affords us the ability to do so many things. So that is my financial services business is, is just kind of paving the way to other opportunities. That is so awesome. Wow. And, and I love how I, I feel like with your whole journey, everything just kind of comes back around full circle to each other. So that yeah. is amazing. <laughs> That's really awesome. For a little while, I felt like the tail wagging the dog, but now I feel like, you know, it's, it's just come full circle. And so I'm very thankful. I'm very grateful. I do truly believe that, you know, this, my path is just the way that it's, it's unfolding the way that it's supposed to unfold. So You'll see more for me on the, I have coaching clients. I absolutely do have coaching clients, but most of those coaching clients, I'm saying, hey, if you want to hit the million dollar mark, I can work with you. Uh, but other than that, I'm really focused on my financial services business the, and, and speaking and helping people from a financial standpoint. Wow. Well, that is super amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. And we will definitely stay tuned and be watching you as you go through this now speaking journey. <laughs> so really quick before we hop off of here, um, I do a rapid fire round with everybody. I just ask five questions and you answer the first thing that comes to mind. Ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that always catches people off guard like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So these are really easy. They're not like hard questions at all. So, Huh? I said you might have to edit, but okay. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> Number one, when was the last time that you made your bed? Um, this morning. Oh, wow, you're good. I, I haven't made my bed in like a month, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I make my bed every single day. Wow. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so number two, what's a non-negotiable in your life? A non-negotiable in my life is freedom. Mm. Yes, I love that. Number three, what time do you wake up in the morning? Usually 5.30-ish. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's early. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I don't even know what it looks like outside at 530 in the morning. <laughs> um, number four, what's your go-to go thing to do when you're stressed? My go-to thing to do when I'm stressed, um, I cuss, meditate, walking. Honestly, the most, I, I would probably say walking, you know, just, just making sure that I'm outside by flowers, trees, and sun. Okay. So getting out in nature. That makes sense. I do the same thing. Yeah. And number five, this is one that I ask everyone. What does it mean to you to be a female creative or a female entrepreneur? Uh, for me, it means responsibility because I feel like my project really is greater than myself. So it means um, being a vessel, a vessel of wisdom, a vessel of information, a vessel of resources, a vessel of empowerment to help so many other people get um, to the other side of, to where they want to go as well. Oh, I love that. That is perfect. So tell us before we get out of here, how can we can keep up with you? Maybe follow you on social media, your website, all that stuff. EliteWealthSolutions.info is my website. Um, my actual speaking and other website is being developed as we speak. But yeah, EliteWealthSolutions.info on social media, Facebook. I'm regular Letitia DeSue, so you can send me a friend request. And if you don't creep me out, I will accept it. <laughs> on LinkedIn, I'm my regular name, Letitia DeSouza, and on Instagram, I'm elite underscore wealth underscore solutions. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciated having you on the podcast. And man, you just dropped some serious truth bombs for us today. So I really hope that this impacts somebody's life. Um, I can see that you are definitely someone that, like you said, you you take the responsibility and you want to be that vessel of knowledge. And so we definitely appreciate you sharing that with us over here. So thanks so much for being on the show. Absolutely guys. Hire a coach, not, not me necessarily, but I'm saying hire a coach, invest in yourself. It will change your life. We do not get the best out of ourselves by ourselves. That's it. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, sweetheart. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the She's a Creative Podcast. If you enjoyed this, let me know by sharing a review on iTunes or sending me a screenshot of you listening to this podcast and your favorite part. Go follow me on social media to get more inspiration, wisdom, and tips at She's a Creative Podcast or at Mrs. K. Hillman on Instagram. And check out the blog at She's a Creative.com. I love you, creative darling, so much. And until next time, keep building your creative dreams.